Reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things but such a person is not subject merely to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jane. If you can keep your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, um, if we printed it out for you, the passage, and you can pick it up at the back, and it's got the sermon outline um, as well. But let's pray that God will, God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that uh, the spirit enables us to understand you and your words. And so, Lord, we pray now as dependent people um, to ask that you would come, that you would give us eyes that see, uh, ears that listen, and hearts that are receptive to your word. Lord, by the power of your spirit, uh, may these words change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mary and I have done many premarital counseling over the last 10 years, last six years, many, many of them. Um, and we go through all these things, and one of the things that we go through is the fundamentals of biblical marriage, what it means to be married, um, what the Bible teaches about marriage. But we also go through many practical um, things as well. And one of the most important practical aspects of that is communication, how to communicate, and why it's so important to communicate well. Because I don't know about you, if you're married, one of my arguments, uh, I mean, often my arguments with Mary involve the line, why don't you just tell me? Because communicating is important. We can't read each other's minds. Actually, it's not just the words, though. Because communication is more than words. Because even if you say the right words, it can still be misunderstood. It can still be taken in the wrong way. I don't know if you've ever wondered in these fights, you know, I, I just wish what, what you were, I knew what you were thinking. This is what's so amazing about our salvation. 
because our salvation involves giving of Christ's mind, the Spirit of God that comes to us. And that's what our passage is about. But let's take a a step back and and see where we are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you can see uh, in these chapters, you see how the whole Trinitarian God is involved in our salvation. So in the first section, in chapter 1, 1 through 9, uh, Paul talked about how it's God who called the church. Our hope for the church, in any church, is in God, not in the people themselves, because it's God who called each one of us to be part of his body, and it's God who will keep us blameless until the day of our Lord's coming. And then in the next section, in 1, 10 to 2, 5, he talked about the crucified king, how this message of the cross is the message that unites all of us, that brings all of us to himself. It's God's word spoken to the world. It's Jesus and Jesus crucified on the cross. But of course, even as God speaks, people misunderstand. People don't understand. People take it as a scandal and as foolishness because they don't have the Spirit. And so in this section, Paul tells us about the importance of the ministry of the Spirit and what the Spirit does in our hearts. As we see in verse 12, it's a key verse. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The whole Trinitarian God is involved. God calls, God speaks the word of of the cross, and the Spirit helps us to understand. We need all of that to understand God's wisdom. Uh, In a way, uh, last century, there are many, many people that I could have picked uh, from, but uh, Bertrand Russell, I don't know if you know the name, Bertrand Russell is a famous mathematician and a philosopher. He actually won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Uh, but he also wrote this. He epitomizes uh, human wisdom of the last century, but he also wrote, the man is a product of causes which had no prevision of the end they were achieving. That his origin, his growth, his hopes and fears, his loves and his beliefs are but the outcome of accidental collocation of atoms. That all the labors of the age, all the devotions, all the inspirations, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction and the vast death of the solar system. All these things, if not quite beyond dispute, are yet so nearly certain that no philosophy which rejects them can hope to stand. I don't know if you've been having a good day or a bad day, I mean, bad week. I wonder if this cheers you up. You are just mere accidental collocation of atoms, he says. All our inspiration, all our genius, all the good things in life, well, they're heading towards extinction with the whole solar system. That's where we will end up. Many other philosophers have said similar things, which I think beg the question, is there any reason for life? Is there any meaning for life? Why should we live? Is there goodness? Is there evil? Is there meaning behind the world? Is there love and beauty? All these things. And without God, it's very difficult to explain life. The sense that we do have meaning. We do have, there is beauty and love and goodness and evil. And of course, God tells us that actually the world is designed not by, it, it, it's, not, it's not a collocation of accidental, uh, collocation of atoms. It's designed by God's great wisdom. 
the history had been pointing to Jesus, to God himself. Take a look at verse 7. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. I mean, if you look at those words, the scale is really breathtaking. Before the creation of time, before time began, before our rebellion against God, before all these things have, have happened, God, in his, God has designed the history of the world so that we will be glorious. God destined us for glory. And the way that he was going to do this well, in verse 9, uh, he quotes Isaiah and said, No eye could have imagined this. No, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what no human mind has conceived. It was so surprising. No one could have thought of this. We, we couldn't have reached this conclusion by ourselves. God would do it through Jesus. And Jesus, God's Son, crucified that was the way that God would bring us back to himself, bring us to glory. That was a mystery hidden for ages and now revealed through the cross. But none of the rulers of that age understood it because they crucified Jesus. And still, many wise in the eyes of the world still reject Christ. So as I begin, I want to ask the question, do you understand do you understand the mystery of the cross as something that is revealed to you, the glorious moment where we're reconciled back to God, where you freely receive God's holiness and righteousness, the, the good news? Because this is not a small thing. I'm not asking you if you can tell the logic of the cross. Many people can. If you've been to Sunday school, you can tell, oh, Jesus died for my sins because all these things. I'm not telling you to, uh, uh, to repeat that story, but do you personally see the beauty of the cross? Rico Tice of Christianity Explored says, I just love this line. If he, she, he says, if the gospel is not the best news you've ever heard, you, I can be quite sure that you haven't understood it. If the gospel is not the best news you've ever heard, you haven't understood it. I mean, Jesus puts it in, in different ways. Jesus says that the, the, the kingdom of God, the gospel is like a pearl. A merchant finds it and he sells everything to get it. It's like treasure buried uh, on the, in the field. And when he finds it, the farmer finds it, he sells everything that he has to buy it because he knows that it's worth every penny, worth everything that he has to, to abandon everything to have this. Uh, he understands the value of the gospel. That's what the gospel is. And if you, I'm asking you whether you understand the gospel that way, that you treasure it that way, that it, it means everything to you, that it really is the best news you've ever heard. I know that uh, there are lots of people you know, that, who have gone to ICS, lots of people who have gone to uh, Christian schools. People understand it in their minds, but they don't understand it with their hearts, with, their, with, with, with the spirit, the beauty of the cross. Is it the good news of your life? And if you do see the mystery of the cross as the most valuable thing in your life, then actually it's no credit to you. It's not because you were somehow special. It's be not because you were somehow smarter than others. It's not somehow more gifted. It's all because of God's Spirit. Because God's Spirit has revealed these things to you. 
You see, no one could have conceived of the cross, and no one actually seeing the cross would actually understand it, really understand it on their own. These are things, verse 10, that God revealed to us by His Spirit. And in verse 11 on and on, he tells us, he, he says, well, can you read somebody else's mind? You can't. And how would you ever hope to understand God's mind? Even when he speaks, right? God needs to show it to you. God needs to reveal himself to you. But even when he speaks, you won't actually understand what God's process is like, God's thoughts are like. People still don't understand, and people still, when God came in Jesus Christ, people still didn't understand him, right? People who are closest to Jesus still didn't understand him. Think about the disciples. Jesus said in Gospel of Mark three times, I'm going to have to go to the cross, and I'm going to rise again. They, it just went over their heads. They didn't understand. And when Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, Apostle Peter, that he needs to die on the cross, but what does Peter do? He tries to stop Jesus because he can't understand why this needs to happen. He doesn't see it. Um, we need God's mind. We need to be inside of God's mind in order to see the beauty of the cross, the mystery uh, to, for it to be revealed to us. So he says in verse 13, we have received the spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. If you see the beauty of the cross, it is because of the Spirit that has been poured out to you, because the Spirit has opened your eyes to see the message of the cross, not as foolishness, not as a scandal, but the wisdom of God, the glory of God revealed to all of us. It's the work of the Spirit. Just as an aside, though, I do want to address maybe this streak of anti-intellectualism in uh, evangelicalism. Uh, especially, I think, the American variety, there is a streak of anti-intellectualism. We have this tendency, a tendency to say, well, the wisdom of the world, that's wisdom of the world. You know, we don't really need to study science and literature and philosophy, medicine, or whatever it is. We just really need God's Word, uh, the Bible. That's all we need. We don't need to concern ourselves with these things, because what use is it anyway? Well, I mean, a lot of use. <laughs> There's a lot of use for human wisdom, isn't there? Uh, this past Friday uh, afternoon, we got the news that actually uh, the, the air conditioning uh, broke, and they needed to fix it yesterday, and thankfully they did uh, fix uh, some of it. Uh, so it's a little warm today, but it's not so... Uh, we have some. But anyway, could you imagine life without air conditioning? I mean, how horrible would this, I mean, it would be wonderful, but I mean, it would be horrible in different ways, this meeting. Like, we would be sweating. It would be terrible. Science has allowed that to happen. Air conditioning, right? Modern medicine. What would life without be modern medicine? What would life without be the beauty of literature, the beauty of words that tells us uh, what life is like? What, what would be life be like without philosophy that tells us the limits of human wisdom, that tells us the beauty of God's logic ingrained in our minds? All these things have their purpose, and they point us to God. What this passage is talking about, and many passages like this, though, is that there is a limit to it, that there's a limit to it, especially when it comes to the things of God. Things of God cannot be attained by our efforts, by our wisdom. No matter how we try, we can't understand the mind of God. God has to reveal himself to us, and God has to not only reveal himself to us, give us his mind so that we could understand 
his mind. It's the spirit that makes all the difference. Uh, I received this medal um, a while back. I don't know if you can see it, but it's, it's, it's a real medal. It's pretty heavy. Um, you get it if you've been to Disneyland 10 times. <laughs> I got it, and I thought, what am I ever going to do with this? <laughs> um, but I'm glad that I can share it with you now. Uh, but I'm an expert in Disneyland, um, all the rides and all the things that go on. And it's, uh, my favorite ride there is Disney Philhar, Mickey's Philhar Magic. It's the 4D, uh, uh, 4D movie. Uh, but when you go in, you know, you have to wear those 3D glasses because if you don't wear them, it's slightly frustrating, right? Because you see the blurry images. You can kind of make out what's going on, but you don't really see what's going on. And, and rather than understanding everything that's going on, you get kind of frustrated by it because like, you can't see things clearly. You don't understand exactly. But when you put the glasses on, you see, you know, when uh, Donald Duck spits at you, you see the spit coming at you. And when they're flying, you know, Aladdin's carpet is flying, you're really flying with them. You can see it differently. You experience the whole thing differently because of those glasses. And, I mean, I don't mean to trivialize this, but the spirit is like that. You can see the world, and you see the world differently because of the Spirit. You can receive God's Word. You can see the cross, but with the Spirit, you see things differently because of the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, the cross is no longer a scandal or foolishness, but we can accept it and understand it and discern. We can have God's mind with us through the Spirit. So friends, if you are a person who's been coming to church, because you think, well, this is a good thing to do. It's good for my marriage. It's good for my relationships. Maybe I'll become a good person. Maybe I want to raise my children in the right way. So uh, you've been coming to church. Friends, that's not Christianity. That's not. Christianity is so much better than that. Christianity is about God calling you, each one of you, to be part of his body. God sending his son to die for us on the cross and knowing that love that's beyond our imagination. Christianity is the Holy Spirit living inside of you, giving you the mind of Christ so that you can see the whole world differently. That's what Christianity is. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. And if you can't understand that, please ask God. Please be humble. Know the limitation of your wisdom. You need to get down on your knees and ask the Spirit to come to you, to reveal Himself to you, to help you to understand and see things differently through the power of the Spirit. We can't get there by our own wisdom. We need to pray and receive Him in our life. And if you are a believer, I hope you're thankful. I hope you are thankful because it was none of your doing. It's not your wisdom that helped you to see the beauty of the cross. It's by the power of the Spirit. And when you share this good news with others, I hope you also keep that in mind because when people don't accept it, people reject it, they say, I don't want it. Well, it's not them. It's not you. It's the Spirit. They need the Holy Spirit for them to see and I hope that frustration will drive you to your knees in prayer to go to God and ask, lift them up in your prayers. We need the Spirit to be at work, to see the glory of Christ. But even if you're a Christian, even if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that's done. 
we need to grow in our maturity. You see, Paul says, in this world are two kinds of people. In verses 14 and 15, there are only two kinds of people in this world. Um, in verse 14, psychikos, um, from which we get the word psychology. Uh, many translations, like ESV translated as natural man, a man as sort of people as they are. Um, the, the, in NIV, it's a man without the spirit. In verse 15, there is another kind, uh, pneumatikos, a spiritual person. There are only two kinds of people, natural person or a spiritual uh, person which is slightly strange if you think about it because Paul is writing to well, presumably spiritual people he's writing to the church in Corinth all the people who have received the Holy Spirit already but you see what he's doing what he's saying is even if you have received the Holy Spirit you can still revert back to the old way of life even if you have the Holy Spirit, you can still be an infant and not grow in wisdom, not walk in step with the Holy Spirit. He's saying you need to start walking in the way of the Spirit. You need to start seeing the world through the eyes of the Spirit, through the mind of Christ. So he concludes in verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. In other words, Christians can make judgments regarding all things with the mind of God because we see things clearly. We see things through the mind of God, but we shouldn't subject ourselves to the wisdom of the world. After all, I mean, who has the right to judge Christ? We have the mind of Christ, he's saying. I'm reminded of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a, from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone, the new has come. Partly, he's rebuking in this section, uh, sorry, in 1 Corinthians, he's rebuking the Corinthians for judging him the wrong way, judging him with the spirit, uh, the, the wisdom of the world. He's saying things, they're saying things, things like, oh, Paul, he's a weak speaker. He's not eloquent. He doesn't have the right credentials. When they should have been saying, Paul speaks uh, what he has received from the Spirit, verse 12. He speaks not the words taught by human wisdom, but the spiritual words taught by the Spirit. They should have known. That they should have known this because they too have the Holy Spirit and the mind of the Spirit. That's what he's saying. Church, I hope, as we end here, I hope you'll see the Bible this way. I hope you'll see Paul's words and entire Bible this way, that these are not just human words. These are spiritual words given to Paul and now recorded for us. It's the words that we, he has received, and that's why today we are studying his words, because this is God's word recorded for us. But more than that, in a larger way, I hope you will see the world differently because of the Spirit. That we do not subject each other merely to human judgments by skin color, political affiliation, um, education level, wealth, or whatever ways that the world judges us, that we do not judge each other in that way. We ought to see each other through the wisdom, through the mind of Christ. So we all honor those who are Christ-like, in their service 
uh, of others. Uh, we see the goodness in each other. We live differently from the world, seeing the world differently because, verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. C.S. Lewis's great, uh, C.S. Lewis's book, Great Divorce, imagines different kinds of people, people who, uh, different kinds of people who end up, who would end up in hell, and uh, people, kinds of people who would end up in heaven. Uh, it goes through many different conversations, but it ends with this procession of this lady who's treated like a queen, who's being carried like a queen. And people and the spirits uh, stop in this procession and pay respect and honor this woman. And so the person, the main character, stops and goes, oh, is this, is this? Um, and the guide stops uh, him and says, no, not at all. It's someone you'll, nev you, you, you'll, never, you'll never have heard of. I'll read this part to you. I, I thought it was someone very famous. Oh, no, no, no. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith, and she lived in a little tiny town north of Britain called Golders Green. But she seems to be, well, a person of particular importance. Ah, says my guide, she's one of the great ones. But haven't you heard that fame in this country is different from fame, um, fame on earth? Well, who are these people dancing and throwing flowers before her? Who are these people all around her? Ah, said my God. They're her sons and daughters. Every young man or boy uh, who met her became her son. Every girl or woman who met her was her daughter. Well, I said, wasn't that hard on their parents? Oh, no, said my guide. There are those who steal other people's children and her mother, but her motherhood was a different kind. Those on whom it fell went back to their natural parents, loving them more. Everyone who came near her had, her, had their place in her love. In her, they became themselves, and now the abundance of life she has in, in Christ from the Father flows out into them. There's joy enough in the little fingers of the great saint, such as yonder lady, to awaken the, all the dead of the universe into life. I don't know if you caught this. The fame in God's country is different from fame in this world. In human wisdom, we will miss people like Sarah Smith. But if we have the wisdom of God, we will recognize, and not only recognize people like that, but strive to live like them, live in the way of the cross. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we don't have just our own minds, but we have your own mind, the mind of Christ, that we have your spirit in us. Lord, would you help us to pursue you and your wisdom? Would you help us to grow, to see the world differently because of the spirit that lives inside of us? Help us to pursue your wisdom in reading of the scripture. Help us to grow in it and receive it with gladness and see that this is your word spoken to us and help us to grow in it and help us to see the world differently. Help us to see the world as you see it and help us to live in a way that brings great honor and glory to you 
in a way that shows your great wisdom, though it may look like foolishness to the world, is glory, glory of God. Lord, help us to live like that in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.